Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It is that time of the week again. Welcome into the Believe in NBA Prospects show. I am your host, Harris Rubenstein. Across from me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Maxey. Michael, we are the tanking support group where it is okay to only win 11 games a year if that means you can end up with Zion Williamson. Michael, how are you doing this week? I'm fantastic, Harris. Uh, just uh, enjoying these teams that are not trying to lose, like the Bulls and stuff. It's well, ridiculous. hey, the Bulls should be trying to lose, but, but they're uh, beating my Celtics for whatever reason. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, me either. I don't understand it. So, Michael, it has been a a very tragic week in the the world of the NBA draft community and the world of the college basketball community, mostly because of Zion Williams's injury. So you and I will do a little back and forth in a little bit here about whether or not we think he should play again this season or what this should mean for the one-and-done prospects. And then later in the show, our big segment for today, you and I are going to play a fun little game that I came up with called Buy or Sell, and it'll give us a chance to break down some of the lower-tiered prospects in this year's draft. So we'll have a fun show, but Michael, I want to start with this Zion Williamson injury. So did you? I'm guessing you were watching the Duke-UNC game. Uh, yes. Well, actually, um, I didn't get home until after the injury occurred, but I watched the rest of the game, but yes, I saw multiple highlights. Michael, the, of it. the most, the, the saddest thing about that injury, well, you know, it's great that he's quote unquote fine. I mean, it's, it's a mild, you know, mild sprain grade one. So he'll be okay. Honestly, the saddest part about this, it, it's just another missed opportunity for us to see Zion Williamson against elite competition. But I think the worst thing that came of this the after the injury, Twitter and social media turned into an absolute hellstorm of oh my god, pay the players, Zion Williamson should never play again, screw Duke, screw the NBA, blah blah blah, like the whole usual rigmarole. But here's the one problem, Michael. No one has cared to ask what Zion wants to do in terms of playing again or coming back. What do you make of this whole situation? I obviously think that Zion should do whatever Zion wants to do. This is just a, a kid. I mean, he's a 19-year-old kid that's just enjoying basketball. So I find it hard to believe that other people are trying to make the decision for him. So it, it, I think it's social media being the devil. And it's just they're just making much ado about nothing. They want the players paid for some certain reason. Um it's just it's getting out of control. I think the the saddest part of this to me is the fact that you know the the guy's eighteen years old, going on nineteen. You know he's at Duke with you know R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish and Trey Jones. I know people who go to Duke like they are the they are like the Beatles. They're the biggest thing on campus. It's weird for people to just assume that he got a little bit of an injury. Now it was a mild knee sprain. It literally could have happened while he was playing pickup ball in his backyard. But because it happened on national television, he should just never play for Duke again. And honestly, Michael, if there's one thing that kind of gets ignored in all this, I don't know about you. I still think Zion needs time to develop. He still needs minutes at Duke. Like, I want to see him get coached by Coach K. There's still a lot of things for him to improve on. Absolutely. I I think that he needs uh, he needs to work on his quickness. He needs to work on conditioning. He needs to work on 
a lot of different things that he's not going to be able to get by just going out and shooting in a gym and working with, uh, you know, uh, you know, a coach on the side until he's ready for the draft. And, and the fact that people think that he should, well, he should never went to do. Well, yeah, he should have because Duke just made him millions and millions and millions of dollars because he wasn't going to be the top pick last year. He probably would have been maybe a lottery pick just because of his, you know, dunks that people have seen on the internet. He went to Duke, became the number one pick, is going to get a monster deal from Nike. This this kid needs to play. He needs to play. Uh, I'm I, I like social media for some purposes, but man, this is it's getting out of control. Michael, the the revisionist history of Zion this season has been so hilarious to me. I had him as my number one player coming out of high school because I, I just everyone thought he was just going to be a dunk machine. I thought it was crazy. If you if you watch his high school games, he was a legitimately good basketball player, but. The revisionist history of social media loves to pave over the fact that before he came to Duke, all people talked about was that, oh, Zion Williamson doesn't have a fit in the NBA. He doesn't have a position. He's not going to go number one overall. It was R.J. Barrett for number one overall for, honestly, every single month until the season actually started, and then people realized, oh, Zion's just amazing, but... I, the, the, you're right, though. The the revisionist history of it all is is kind of cruel, especially to a guy like Zion. That going to Duke wasn't just a ploy for him; like it wasn't just like a, a money thing or anything. He went to go play for Coach K and to get the best coaching in college basketball. That was why he went there. He didn't go just to like for oh. for for instance, if John if 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 Coach K coached at St. John's. Maybe he would have gone to St. John's. Like at the end of the day, he wanted to get coached up, and Duke was the perfect spot for him. Oh, absolutely! It, it was definitely a perfect spot. And like I said, I think on the last one, I was surprised he went to Duke because they had so much talent coming over to Duke. But uh, and and he just went there and became the best of the bunch. And uh, going to Duke was the best thing that happened to him because it it, it propelled him to the number one pick. He's going to make so much more money because of his decision to go to Duke that um, I think he wants to finish this thing out, and I think he wants to be, uh, be ready by the tournament. Do you think they should pay the players? No. However, I feel if, like, I'll just use, like, Johnny Manziel, who went and had a, a signing, I feel like if they want to use their likeness or if they want to have an autograph signing because they're a big popular, they should be able to make some money mm-hmm. off of that. I don't think the, the university itself should be able to pay them because it's going to open up too much of a – a can of worms that I think is going to just get out of control. The the can of worms that that I always like to point to this because I agree with you. Like if Zion wants to go sign an autograph of his face, he can do that. Like that's just what he should be able to do and get paid for it. It's his name. The NCAA doesn't own it. But when people bring up paying the players and they're like, oh, you know, you, you got to pay these guys for ticket sales and jersey sales and all this stuff. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Except for the fact that out of most of these schools, the only sport that actually ends up bringing money into the school is football. And other parts of this, Michael, that people don't remember, there is this lovely, lovely article that was added to the NCAA rulebook. I'm not exactly sure when, but Title IX, Michael. Title IX is one of the most important athletic, uh, legal, legally binding things the NCAA has ever done, which means that if you want to pay all of the male sports, you know, all the male athletes at your school, you will have to pay the women athletes as much money as the men. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that, but when people are trying to scale out how much money these schools should pay the players, 
it's easy to forget. It's not just give Zion Williamson a, a percentage of the ticket sales. Cause if you do that, then every single time the Duke's the Duke women's volleyball team ends up playing in that gym, they're going to have to pay them. Every single time the men's wrestling team is in there, they're going to have to pay them. It doesn't make sense. Like the financials just won't be able to work out in a way that makes everyone happy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, where are you where are you going to start? Where are you going to end? How much money? Uh, you know, and then uh, so do you pay the eleventh and twelfth guys on the bench too? It, it's just become it's going to be so hard to figure out that I just don't think they can do it. Um, and I'm sick and tired of Jay Billis going all over social media saying that they should pay the players, but yet he has no plan to. It just drives me absolutely bonkers. I, you know what? If they want to make money off of um, selling an autograph or this and that, I feel that they should. That's that's their own prerogative. Mm-hmm. If they want to have a, a job on the side and make money, they should be able to do that. Obviously not playing professional basketball, but um, – they should be able to make some money, but I don't feel that the university should pay them. It's just going to, it's going to be just, I think it's going to get out of control and the spending. And, and I understand Duke's going to make a lot of money off of Zion, but Zion's going to make a lot of money off of Duke too. So, you know, I don't, where does it, where does it end? I think the, the one part of this though, that I think for, for you and I is two college hoops guys and two NBA draft guys. Now we hear that the NBA is considering, or at least is considering a proposal to change the, legal draft age from 19 to 18 and which basically basically would allow high school seniors if they are kind of in the right age group or you know their birthday lands in a certain time period will be able to basically jump right to the NBA out of high school now obviously the the NBA especially Adam Silver has wanted to get rid of this rule forever Adam Silver despises the NCAA he is he's alluded to it multiple times how much he hates the organization but I'm I'm a little worried, Michael, because we had a lot of kids or a lot of players. They're not kids anymore, obviously. A lot of guys when you could jump right out of high school into the NBA. We had a lot of guys who did that, who ended up flaming out, who desperately needed to go to college, but you know didn't have the right people in their ear, or you know just ended up making the wrong decision. I don't know about you, Michael. I'm I'm worried for what what it means if the NBA is changing the age from 19 to 18. I actually don't think it's a good thing. I think it's going to end up hurting a lot of kids. Oh, I'm with you 100%. It's I'm surprised you're on my side on this because I've been all over social media all week about how much I hate it. I can't stand the um, players going out after high school. I feel that they're going to be for every LeBron James, there's three Corleone Youngs yep. who got, I mean, he got drafted in the second round and, and he was nothing. Yes, Monte Ellis and yes, Lou Williams were second-round picks that made something of themselves, but that's two rare oddities that could have uh, benefited from another year of school. Zion Williamson is going to make millions and millions and millions and more dollars by going to Duke for this one year because he was not going to be the number one pick because no one had seen enough. Of no, him. you can't base him. Uh, you can't base him. His he was uh, an Instagram his, uh, account to most people. He pretty much he was a, he was a highlight reel. You cannot draft him off of his highlights. I mean, I'm sure he would have been, but he's probably – he might have been top 10, but he's probably more like maybe late lottery to outside the yeah, lottery. I'll give you like Colin and, Sexton, and, and, like 8, 9, 10 territory. Yeah, and and and, and the, con- the shoe contract went to Bender. Yeah, he might have got it down the line, but he would have been on the bench someplace in his rookie year just sitting there and watching. I don't feel he would have been a starter. I This, this year – turned a player like Jamal Murray into a great player. Uh, it's turned in a lot of these these um, one-and-dones. 
have become great players. Colin Sexton, he made a lot of money from his one and done year. It's just, there's just a lot of benefits for coming back, for coming to school for one year. It just, it really is. I liked what you said earlier about how for every LeBron James, there's always going to be, you know, a, a bunch of guys who flame out. And, you know, I agree with you. Like, the, the, it, you can, there's so many great high school guys who've just jumped right to the NBA. Kobe, Kevin Garnett, uh, um, uh, Dwight Howard. Like, there's always going to be those guys. But, I mean, let, let's go back a couple of years here, Michael. A couple years ago, if you were allowed to come right out of high school and into the NBA, Andrew Wiggins never would have gone to Kansas. No way. He would have jumped right to the NBA as soon as he possibly could have, right? I, I believe so, 100%, yes. And he probably would have been a lottery pick at that Probably would have been a lottery pick at that time. And you, you can just go back. I don't even know if Aiton would have ended up going to Arizona last year. Would Zion or R.J. Barrett had ended up going to Duke? My other thing with all this is that I know we're always so excited to get these high school kids to the NBA as fast as we possibly can. We don't want to waste their talent. There's a maturity and a, a body formation kind of issue that I always point at. And it's one of the reasons why when people always say, oh, they should let high school players go play in the NFL. You're nuts. You are absolutely crazy if you think that like high school football players should instantly be able to jump to the NFL. Now, obviously, the physicality of things are going to be different, but I mean, you put R.J. Barrett or Zion Williamson on an NBA court like before the start of the season, before we got Zion into a college weight room, they would have gone dominated, absolutely, absolutely. dominated. I, I just I, I understand what they're trying to do. I get it. The, the NBA is trying to make the NCAA an option, not the only way to go. I just, I, I'm worried that for as many couple of kids that will end up helping down the line, it's going to end up hurting a lot more. These kids get egos, man. It's social media. Cole Anthony's just going to run out of, you know, run out of high school, run into the NBA. Scotty Pippen's kid, Kenny Martin's kid, the ball brothers. Like they're just going to roll into the right. NBA with no college experience. They're going to get absolutely killed. Some of them are going to be out of the right. league in two years. I agree 100%. The only thing that I think, I think what the NBA is doing is the NBA is going to try to make the G League into their college. They want these players in their systems so they can go and sit, put them in the G League, sell out more, uh, sell out, uh, you know, obviously more uh, stands, um, bring them up through their farm system, not the college farm system, into the NBA. That's how I believe. I really do. I, I believe that they want the G League to be NCAA light. And I think, I, I, and, and I'm not okay with that. Um, but if that's the case, each team needs their own NBA G League team. And I know what we're like two or three teams away from having everyone having their own G League team. But then they got to run it like a real minor league system. Then you better have like three rounds of draft. You better have – do you get what I'm saying? You Things have got to change because there, the, the infrastructure isn't there is, right now for this to break down. Agreed. I agree with 100%. And, and they need and, – and I think that's what they're working towards. And I think they want – NCAA pretty much to be um, abolished and the G League to be their form of the NCAA. My big, my biggest problem with that, and, and I, I, I like the G League plan in theory. It makes sense on paper. It really does. Here, take a $100,000 contract. Go play with the G League for a year instead of going to college. But 
there's a there's a a certain element that comes with playing in college basketball games that that I think really matters towards the NBA. It's not about you know, sometimes it's not about putting up numbers or highlights. Sometimes it's going into an NBA interview for the draft and saying, yeah, I was coached by Mike Krzyzewski for two years, and he taught me this, 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 and this. I played in a Final Four because I went to Kansas, and I learned how to play in big games under Bill Self like this, 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 and this. You go to the G League, I mean, Michael, who would you rather get coached by? Mike Krzyzewski or Jerry Stackhouse? Oh yeah, it's, it's Shashevsky. Yeah, I, I, without I a doubt, it. absolutely. I I understand I just, what they're I, trying to do. I get it. I get with the whole eighteen, nineteen, the money, whatever. Like I I get it. It's just in the age of social media, instant gratification is everything. These kids, these 17, 18-year-old kids, you are telling them when they when most of them are not ready for the NBA, you are telling them, here's a free pass to the NBA. You can go to the G League despite not being possibly emotionally or mentally prepared for this situation. Go, have fun, be free. Here's a hundred thousand dollars. That's basically what the NBA wants. Uh, that is one hundred percent. I think it's it, a little dangerous. Because Oh, it's definitely dangerous, but I don't think the M the NBA doesn't care about the actual player. They care about the product, and they want their product being uh, grooming these players, which I don't think is a good thing because I think you're going to get better coaching from Coach K, Roy Williams, uh, Calipari, you know, others. So I just I, this that's what the NBA, in my opinion, is is about. They want to build the G League up, and that's what I think part of this is. And so we'll yeah. have to. We'll have to see if they can if they can make it work. I want to throw one more quick disclaimer on this so I don't get shouted out on social media by everyone. I there's I there's no single part of my being that supports quote unquote the NCAA as an organization. They suck. They are very, very, very poorly run. They are notoriously evil and they were terrible to their student athletes. For me, sometimes if you're an NBA player and you have to go to college for one year, man, I'm sorry, deal with it. Like, deal with the NCAA being crappy for one year. Thank the Lord your sport only requires you to do it for one year, and then you can go make millions of dollars in the NBA. Now, I know that obviously there's way more student-athletes who don't end up making millions of dollars in the draft, and those are the people that need help because the NCAA is awful, but that's not who we're talking about here, Michael. We're not talking about, you know, uh, Sally Jenkins, who's the, you know, the eighth person off the bench for the Baylor's women's basketball team. We're talking about the Zion Williamson's, the R.J. Barrett's of the world, I just think these guys are better suited to go to college for a year, get the coaching, get a college gym room, or you know, just try to learn how to be a professional basketball player instead of being a high school taking math class at 3 p.m. on a Friday, and all of a sudden, in six months later, you're playing basketball in Staples Center next to LeBron James. It just, it, it's too much. Yeah. I think it's too much for these kids to handle. I, I do too, and I think the the. The atmosphere in college uh, helps a lot of these players. They get to learn. They learn to uh, play with these big situations. They learn. They learn uh, what it's like to play on the road and I, and, I, and and traveling without, you know, the struggles of the G League. I think it's good for them. And what 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 last 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 thing, Michael? Because I do want to move off of this. You have kids. Yes. <laughs> so you can understand the importance of what I'm about to say. The importance is this. When you are a parent or you're, you're someone who's in charge of children, 
it is important sometimes to realize that while it'd be a good idea to give them some semblance of choice, if you give them that choice, they're still, if they're kids, like a 17-year-old or even a 10-year-old, it doesn't matter, you give them that choice, they're probably going to make the wrong one. That's just what kids do. So I understand we want to give the kids the choice, but they're also 17 and 18 years old. 75% of them are going to make the wrong decision. That's how it works. That's what it's like to be in high school. I, I will say also as a parent, if my 17-year-old uh, high school player or 18-year-old high school player was going to be a lottery pick, I would tell him to go in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's true. That's a very good point. I'll give you that one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, you know. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that's a very good point. I'll give you that one there, Michael. But uh, let, let's that's let's the, move off my, of this. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah, let's move off of this. If you guys are enjoying the show, please subscribe. We are available on all your favorite podcast destinations: iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, do you? believe all right michael let's get into the fun part of this now that we've droned on about how terrible the ncaa is you and i are going to play a game called buy or sell so we're going to throw a couple little little spins onto this game so here's how it's going to work i'm going to list off a couple players for you you're going to tell me which ones you want to buy and which ones you want to sell if you end up selling a player that means that I have to put them on my team, but I get first pick at the next player we're going to talk about. Do you get our rules? Oh, boy. I'll see if I can keep up. Yeah, let's do I'll this. G- I'll give it to you to start, and we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. It'll make more sense as we go. We're going to start with John Tay Porter, the power forward from Missouri. Hasn't played this year with that torn ACL and MCL. Michael, want to know something crazy about John Tay Porter? Let's hear it. All right, this is, this is nuts. So, He himself has torn his ACL and his MCL. His sister, or one of his sisters, I should say, had to retire from professional sports due to copious amounts of knee injury and chronic knee pain. Her other sister, or his other sister, is currently injured with a torn uh, ACL injury. Their father had knee problems while he was playing sports. And Michael Porter Jr., his brother, has also had knee issues in the past. The whole the whole family just has genetic knee problems. Yeah, I guess you know which way I'm going here. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to sell him? I'm selling him. I mean, he's a... He's a nice player. He could be a good post player, and he could be a, a good modern day center. But I can't. I can't do it with all the injuries. Plus, I haven't seen. I haven't seen him dominate. He's been an average player when he's played. So I can't. I cannot buy him. Not at all. <sighs> I guess that means I'm stuck with Jonte Porter. Honestly, I'm not too upset about about being left with him. For me. I still like him as a prospect. I think he's long. I think he's versatile. I think he's going to be a guy who can do multiple different things for you on an NBA court. He's a, he's a good defender. I mean, he can play a little bit of defense. You know, his block numbers and steal numbers were up at least when he's actually been playing over the past two years. But I, I, I don't know. Do you think that he has a legitimate NBA future? Um, or, is, or, or is he just getting all this acclaim because he's a Porter and Michael Porter Jr. was his brother? I think a little bit of both. I think uh, the fact that he's Michael Porter Jr.'s brother, Michael Porter, before the injury, before the back injury, was a stud, and he probably could have been the number one pick out of high school. Not that it would be right, but he could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, um, I just think he's, 
I, I think he's probably a career backup. Okay. Probably your your backup big man. That's just how I feel. I I, I think so too. In in my mock draft today that I released on uh on Chat Sports, I had Jonte Porter going to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Just because I figure if you're a playoff team, you're late in the lottery, it's worth taking a risk on a long, versatile defender with knee problems. This is usually where those guys go. Yeah, that's that's not a bad spot for him either. All right, next player. So you sold Jonte Porter. So now it is my turn, and I will give I will throw Kelvin Johnson onto the table, and I'm actually gonna sell him back to you. So oh, fantastic. I'll take it. I have been a little iffy on Kelvin Johnson. I've started to watch some of his tape. I've gone back and forth, and I've seen a lot of people online trying to compare him to Mikel Bridges, who came out of Villanova last year. I, I don't see it, Michael. I see a guy who can shoot some threes a little bit. I think his defense is there. I don't know what his ceiling is, and that's my biggest worry. I don't really know how good he can get. To me, I'm watching, and I'm like – with Bridges, you could you could clearly see him being in the NBA for 13 years like Trevor Reza. But you watch Keldon Johnson, and I ask myself, like, how much better can he get? Like, where where does he improve? Well, what I like, what I see in Keldon Johnson, I think he's become more versatile as the years gone on. I think you see his passing and his assists are up. His reboundings are going way up. He's starting to excel on all different uh, parts of his game because if you look at that team they don't count on him to score at all mm -hmm. they go into reed travis they go into pj washington tyler heroes become a marksman from outside and ashton haggins is just a penetrator and 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 and, and calvin johnson's like the fifth option on that offense and i just think that he has made uh his game um he's added different elements to his game that i think is going to be Real, I think it's going to help him in the, in the next level. And I think that his scoring will eventually come. And as you see, Mikel Bridges' scoring in the NBA has been not very good at all, but his defense has been really good. And I think that's what you're going to see with Kelton Johnson. I do like the Mikael Bridges uh, comparison. I think they're a little bit different. I think Kelton Johnson's maybe a little bit bigger and stronger. I think Mikael had maybe a better jumper. Uh, but I, 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 can see, I can see the comparisons. But I, I'm really high on Kelton Johnson. Definitely, definitely uh, higher on him than uh, than I certainly am. I, I think he's a nice player, but like I said before, I just you know, in terms of you know NBA draft and trying to project him into the NBA, I I, I guess you you're you're hoping oh, he becomes. He's, he's very hard. <sighs> he's he's very hard to project because six he six is two like eleven the, like. But he's like the fifth option on that offense, and they just don't run plays for him. You know, yeah, I, you're right. There, that's true. There's some guys. There's some guys on this uh, on this board who I couldn't tell you if they're going to be good or bad. I just tell you what I like. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like there's fair. guys you can. There's guys you look at and you'd be like, yeah, that guy's going to be good. And this guy, uh, I don't think he's going to be as good. But Kelton Johnson does not get any run in Kentucky, and uh, yet he still puts up numbers. So and, and he shoots a pretty good percentage. So I like him, but I get. I get why people don't, if that makes sense. All right. On to our next player here. Back to you. Buy or sell Bruno Fernando, the center for Maryland? Well, uh, unfortunately, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy him. Oh, damn it. <laughs> no. And the, re the reason being I'm going to buy him is because I'm – with ball movement so um, high in today's NBA – that that's 
that's a, a stat that I watch a lot is watch ball movement, watch assists, make sure, you know, and Bruno Fernando seems to be able to be able to pass out of the post. He's uh, he could do a little high, low with him up high or down low. I just think that he can hit the cutters. I, I really like him as a prospect. It took me a while to get sold on him, but now that I am, I think that um, I think he's going to be a nice player. Um, I have him a touch higher than Jonte Porter. I think though, Fernando's probably a career backup as well, Ooh. but I think he's worth. I think he's worth taking a shot at Ooh. because I I do think he. Well, I mean, we're gonna fight. You got to you, you remember there's only you got to remember there's only thirty starting centers in this league. <laughs> That's very true. Um, That's a good point. But but I, I mean I could see him starting in situations, but I don't know if he's going to be you know that 10, 12 year starter. I got, I, got I, I do I I do like him though. I got a hot take for you. Go ahead. I think Bruno Fernando, when the draft comes around, is going to be the first center taken and is going top 10. I think a team huh. – it, 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 look, if Maryland makes the tournament, then we're finally going to be able to see this guy on a real national scale. I think that Bruno Fernando is going to be a guy who absolutely dominates the combine and dominates team workouts. This is a dude to me that if you're able to put him one-on-one and just kind of look at his athleticism versus, you know, another big like a Jackson Hayes or not a ball ball because that's not really a fair fight in terms of athleticism with everyone, but – Right. I think when you start comparing his skill set to the rest of the other centers in this class, you start to realize that what teams are looking for in modern-day centers are way, way less Jackson Hayes, who I, I had going in our top 10 in our mock draft last week. But for me with Fernando, remember, guys are – if you're getting drafted as a center in the NBA, they're looking for blocks – Ability to pass out of the pick and roll and also right. usage rate and what you're able to do with the ball in your hand. His numbers exactly. for that are off the charts. He's one of the best usage rate bigs in college basketball this year. I think Bruno Fernando is going to end up being a top 10 pick. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. I think I would have to look at my, um, my last mock draft. I don't have it right in front of me, but um, uh, I had him. I think I, th- I have him just outside the lottery. But I could see him moving up if he has a good uh, combine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Next player here. Still on you because you bought our last guy. Nasir. Oh, so I, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's going back to you. Nasir Little, small forward from North Carolina. I'm selling. Ah. I, I haven't seen anything. I, I What are you going to do? I mean, yeah, Roy Williams is hard on freshmen, but Kobe White's getting a lot of minutes. So something's going on well, with he, Little. He loves guards, though. He loves guards who can shoot. I mean, I true, true, and he loves a little crafty. I mean, and, and Kobe White's just a little pest when he's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Nasir Little, I, there's something going on. Uh, his jump shot, although he did have a good game the other week or this weekend, but I, I don't know, man. His stock just keeps continuing to fall. Dude, the two guys you that know. you've given me, Nasir Little and Jonte Porter, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be tanking for the next like four years until one of them decides to like be a legend. <laughs> Hey man, you gave yeah, you gave me first pick. <laughs> That's true, I did. So I'll, look, I'll take Nasir Little. Just I mean, obviously you sold him to me, so I have to, unfortunately. But for me, he, you know, you're drafting him for potential. You're not drafting him for what he can do right now. You're hoping that, like a la, you know, Justice Winslow or D'Angelo Russell, that the dude after a couple years in the league, maybe he reforms his body, will be able to find a role. It's just the most frustrating thing for for me with Nasir Little is. A, he doesn't really play enough minutes in a game to really get a a feel for how he would fit in the NBA. That's annoying. 
And then B that is very annoying. And then B, it just I don't know about you, man, but like whenever he's out there, I I'm not seeing effort. I'm seeing frustration. I'm seeing a guy who, you know, is kind of definitely frustrated with his role. I'm seeing someone who isn't really trying to play team basketball out there. It just doesn't oh, yeah. look his like bo- this situation is good for him. His body language is bad. Yeah. This is a guy who this is a guy who probably would have benefited from coming out of high school because his stock just continues to fall. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he falls outside the lottery. Um but I, I could see it starting to trend that way if, mm-hmm. if, uh, if he doesn't get better. That's fair. And I, I think he'll eventually be a good NBA player. It's just I, I think it's going to take some time. Maybe I think his peak ceiling is like a Jay Crowder, I think, could be a fair. You know, if, you know I, I think he's got that the body type. I think he's got the defensive potential. It's just a matter of working on that outside game. Oh, absolutely. 100% agree on that one. All right, next player. We're back to me. Nickel Alexander Walker. You skipped one. I uh, who did I skip? Uh Dumboya. Ooh, Dumboya. Uh I well Dumboya. Well, we can skip him. Let's skip him. We're All right, we'll, we'll skip him because he he's not a fair prod, product because he started off the year really slow and once he started to get really good, we he's got hurt. So we haven't seen him play in like a month and a half. So right. he doesn't count. Let's do Nickel Alexander Walker, the shooting guard for Virginia Tech. And I'm really happy that I, I ended up on him. I'm I'm buying every single piece of Alexander Walker's stock I can find. Give me all yeah. of your stock. Yeah, all I like him too. He, t- I I'm gonna make a little bit of a hot take here. I think he's the best shooter in the class. Mm, if we're talking that, about but... pure pure shooter, I don't. I mean, the dude is stroking it from like forty percent out, uh, outside the arc. Like he's got a crazy good jump shot. And I wonder if you put him in the NBA. Do you know who he reminds me of? Coming at coming out at least. Do you know what he reminds me of? Who's that? Contavious Caldwell Pope. And I'm not just saying that because both of them hy- have hyphens in their name. <laughs> uh, Caldwell, I mean, I guess a little bit. Caldwell I guess Pope was bit. bigger, but coming out of Georgia, I mean, he was flaunted to be like this three and D shooting guard who could, you know, knock down shots from the perimeter, who could lock up anyone that played the one or the two, and then he just didn't develop an offensive game at all in the NBA. And now he's just like an eighth man for the Lakers. But I think Alexander right. Walker is, will end up being everything he was supposed to be. Well, so I'm I, think, I think uh, with, with Alexander Walker, I think his defense is uh, so underrated. And I think that's where he's, he's going to be his calling card in the NBA. Obviously he's a good shooter, but he's also, and like I said, I love ball movement. So uh, his assists are, I mean, he goes through games where he's just, almost running the offense. And and I think that uh, that's a good buy for you. I, I'm a little jealous. I'm going to take him also because I need someone who can shoot the ball with a team of Jonte Porter and Nasir Little. So I need someone who can actually put the ball in the hoop. All right. Next guy here away from Alexander Walker and into Kevin Porter Jr. Oh yes. My favorite red flag prospect of the, of the year. I you can have him, buddy. I am selling Kevin Porter Jr. all day long. I think this dude is all athleticism, no basketball, off the field issues, suspended indefinitely from USC. And after all that, Michael, he's still going to get drafted in the top twenty because the NBA is obsessed with athletes. 
Well, I would not draft him in the top 10 for sure. I would definitely not draft him in the top 20. I don't even know if I'd draft him in unless I had like maybe two shooting guards already on my roster and I could bring him along slowly because I am not high on this guy at all. I will take him with our little game and I will sit him on my bench way <laughs> down deep. So I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Kevin Porter Jr.'s and, and I've watched, I've been trying to find reasons to move him up my draft boards and I just can't do it. I just can't do it. There's something about him. I just can't do it. He just, I, I see nothing. I see no improvement. And and you think uh, Little's body language looks bad on the, on the court. I think sometimes Porter's looks bad on the court too. But um, I think Porter did hit, he did hit a, a game winner or a buzzer beater the other day or something. But, uh, and he had a big game, but I'm not, yeah. I mean, I'll take him, but he can sit, <laughs> next, to the, he can sit next to the guy handing out towels for me. <laughs> I think one of the other things with uh, Kevin Porter Jr. that's a little bit frustrating is, you know, you you go back and watch his high school tape. He was, you know, the best player coming out of the state of Washington this year. I think his expectations were to come to this USC team. I thought I think he thought he was going to be Demar Derozan. I was just going to be like the guy from USC. And as the season started and progressed, they just never really gave him the reins on the team, and you know, they obviously ended up kind of going in a different direction and not that USC has been that good this year, but it just to me seems like he thought he was going to be the guy wasn't given that role kind of started to pout about it and then got in trouble off the court. And now he's suspended indefinitely. So not a great look for Kevin Porter jr. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think, I think he's going to get some love in the, in the lottery and I think it's going to be a mistake or takes him and I will fail that team immediately. <laughs> Look, I'll say this. If Kevin Porter, if you have multiple draft picks in the first round and Kevin Porter Jr. is the second of your multiple picks, that is a good time to take him. <laughs> that sounds like a, a pick for the Celtics. <laughs> no, I don't know. Please, please, God, no. I'm talking like the Cavs because they have like the Rockets pick this year in like 21. No, I, thank I know you. that, but I was uh, knowing that you're a Celtics oh. fan. <laughs> no, I'm okay. okay. Speaking speaking of me being a Celtics fan, it's your turn again, and you have the opportunity to either buy or sell Trey Jones, the point guard from Duke. Well, I don't really have a point guard and uh, my roster. I think I will buy Trey Jones. Okay. I think he's a better version of his brother, and I think his brother was a, a could be a starter in the NBA if he was in the right situation. A little too short. Well, possibly, but I, I mean, he he he's done he's done good job when given the opportunity in Minnesota. I think uh, I think Trey Jones is a good defender. I think he is the straw that stirs the cup of Duke basketball, and I think when he was out, they struggled some, and um, I think I'll have him running my uh, tankathon roster. Dude, you, your 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 starting five right now is uh, is Trey Jones, Kelvin Johnson, and Bruno Fernando. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, Kelvin Johnson's gonna score forty a game. Seriously though, <laughs> Trey Jones is gonna end up with like sixty assists. Sixty All assists, right. but he's gonna shoot one for eleven. <laughs> Next player on our list, uh, Grant Williams, the power forward from Tennessee. Are you buying or selling? Yeah, I'm buying this guy. I really am. Okay. I, I think so. I think he could be a man, especially if you matched him with Bruno Fernando. They could be a nice, uh, high low passing. Uh, if, uh, if you watch Tennessee, they use Grant in the, uh, Grant Williams in the high post a lot. He's very good at passing out of there. He's very good at pick and roll, pick and pop. 
I think that um, he'd be a great fit next to Bruno Fernando. Um, and uh, yeah, I would have him as my power forward. He's a little bit undersized, but if you haven't noticed, the NBA is going with undersized fours. Uh, and I think uh, he could be a Paul Millsap type of player. I like it. You know, at six seven two forty one with a with a six eleven wingspan, I don't think he'll be a good rebounder in the NBA. I think I think he'll definitely you know that's where you'll see his size end up hurting him. But I mean, outside of rebounding, he can do just about everything else at a pretty good level. Yeah, he is a really good passer for a four man. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that would be just really good. I mean, especially when when you got guards running around on screens, getting open, and and uh, you know on off ball screens and stuff. I think he's going to be able to find the player. He can put him in the post too. He's a bruiser down low. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's going to be a good NBA player too. Next player, buy or sell Shamori Pons from St. John's. Well, he's too he's too streaky for me. I'm going to sell on him. He's just uh, nice. He's too streaky for me. Um, while I see he could be a Jason Terry type of player off the bench, maybe, but he's just too streaky, too small for a point guard, in my opinion. You know, I. I'm just, I don't know. He looks, he looks a little small out there. I think he would get down. For me, I think, uh, you know, in the NBA as a guard, it's important to at least have something you can hang your hat on. That'll keep you in the league forever. I mean, the dude as a point guard might be one of the better defensive point guards we have coming out of the draft this year. The dude can lock down just about anyone at the one. And also, I mean, his steal numbers this year, he's averaging 2.7 steals a game, which is outrageous. So that's more blocks than uh, than Mo Bamba averaged for Texas last year. I just, I'm, I'm a big Shamori Pons guy. I think he's going to end up having like a Raymond Felton kind of NBA career where he jumps around to a couple teams, but everyone knows who he is. I'm a big Pons guy. I think he's going to be a fun NBA player. I will, I will gladly take him as my uh, point guard in a little team here. Wow. I like that. Uh, just on a side note, do you think he's better than Marcus Howard? They're very similar Ooh. types of players. Marcus Howard, though, can flat out shoot. He can flat out that, score. I'm actually going to – I'll take Pons because I think that he plays the point guard position better. But I think – you know, Fair enough. I'll put it this just, way. I go back and forth with both of them. That's, Marcus Howard probably has the best skill, like single skill out of the two of them with his shooting. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a total skill set on a player, I'd take Pons. Fair Does enough. that make sense? Fair enough. Didn't want to go yeah. off subject. I just needed to know because I go no, you're fine. I go back and forth all the time. All right, our next player here. It's uh, back to me since you so- sold me Pons. It's Dedrick Lawson, power forward from Kansas. So interesting guy, 6'8". But what's crazy about Lawson, he's got a 7-2 wingspan. He's a little on the older side. He's 21 years old, so in terms of prospects, he is on the the little bit of an older side. I'm going to take Dedrick Lawson, though. That's a good decision. I'm going to take him for a couple reasons. One, I think that he'll end up being able to shoot threes in the NBA, which for a guy who's 6-8 is huge. He can shoot free throws at a pretty good clip, which is also really huge for big men. But most of all, I'm, I, you know me, Michael. I love my advanced statistics. Absolutely. <laughs> His usage rate numbers for a big man are absolutely outstanding. Well, you've watched Kansas. They give him the ball every single time down the court. Do you know who he reminds me of? Who's that? Marcus Morris. 
Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think he's more of a bruiser than Marcus Morris or Marquise, either one of them. I, th- I just think he's just – I think he knows how to use his body so good in the post. Like he just knows how to shield the defender away so he can get to the basket. He's such he's such a solid post player. I really like him. See the I think the 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 Marcus Morris and the uh, well at least Marcus Morris because Marquise Morris and Marcus have gone to two different strains. But for me, uh, watching Marcus Morris the past two years on the Celtics, and then watching Dedrick Lawson now. To, to me, if you just go back and watch Marcus Morris's kind of like a little bit of film from this past year, all he is now is post fundamentals and incredible footwork. And he just uses those fundamentals to create space, to get open shots, to make open space for his teammates as well. And I see Lawson doing the exact same thing for Kansas. I thought that Quentin Grimes was going to end up being like their guy. But Lawson's been the one who runs the whole offense. And the fact that he can do it out of the post to me, that gives me confidence at the NBA level. He passes, he rebounds, he scores in the post. He does everything. And Quentin Grimes gets a lot of his easy buckets from a Lawson pass. It's it's, it's crazy. I I didn't expect when he transferred from Memphis, I didn't expect what. That was such a good find for uh, Bill Self in Kansas. It really was. He's just so good. And and I think he's, I definitely think he's a first-rounder. All right, so looking at my team now, I got Jonte Porter, I got Nasir Little, I got Nickel Alexander-Walker, and I got Chamori Pons and Dedrick Lawson. So for the most part, my starting lineup is basically set here. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty. I like, you know, I have a very, very defensive-heavy team right now with a little bit of shooting from my guards. Our next player, P.J. Washington, power forward from Kentucky. Yeah, I think I'll buy him. You, or or is you, it yours? I'm, I'm, getting, is it yours? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to sell them to you. So that that that's lucky for you. I'm going to sell them to you, mostly because I'm a little bit worried about what he's going to be like in the NBA. Now, again, as an advanced statistics guy, all the advanced statistics love him. He, he's got a great uh, offensive rating numbers, win shares, uh, uh, the true shooting percentage. It's all there for me. I just don't know where he's going to play in the NBA. He is a true tweener. He is definitely a tweener, but you're going to probably see him more as a four. You know, I mean, you, you see how it is. The NBA is going to smaller fours. Um, I think he, I, what's he, he's listed at 6'8". I bet you that's very generous. He's probably more 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, uh, but mm-hmm. you know what? Agreed. He's a very uh, – he's Diedrich Lawson light, if that makes sense. Uh, he's yeah. he, he's a similar player. Um, he's been able to um, evolve his game a little bit. He's got more of a perimeter sh- uh, shot now, but um, it's still, it struggles, it still struggles with the outside game at times. Um, since, since I got him, he's going to probably be my backup big man behind Grant Williams. And, um, and I think, uh, I think that would be a nice, uh, a fork uh, combo Grant Williams and uh, PJ Washington. We could uh, battle anyone on uh, college basketball, right? With that lineup. All right, Michael, last guy for us here before we before I send you on your merry way. Buy or sell Kobe White point guard slash shooting guard slash guard aficionado for the Tar Heels? Well, I'm going to buy him because uh, I know I've said earlier that he's a pest and he just likes to get uh, – it does a lot of scrappy things that just don't – they just don't register on the box score. He's very uh, clever. He's very uh, sneaky getting steals and stuff. Uh he does get a little careless with the ball at times, and I think if they can uh, uh, maybe tame him a little bit, he could be a really good point guard in the NBA. 
Uh, but his shot has come along, and I think that's going to be his selling point. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, I, I've said this about Shimori Pons earlier in the show. The one thing I think will end up being true about Kobe White, he's a sticky player. He might not be a superstar at the end of the day, but I think he'll be a guy who will be in the NBA for – you know, 10, 12 years, he'll play for like four different teams. You know, you'll you'll kind of sit up one day and you'll be like, oh, wow, hey, that's Kobe White. I remember him when he was on UNC. He'll be one of those guys. Those are my favorite. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I just think he's going to be, like you said, he's going to be in the NBA for a long time. He's going to be maybe not a starter, but he's going to be a guy who's a rotation player for probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. All right, Michael. We're going to have to wrap it up there. I know we're having so much fun with the little buy and sell game, but let's do a little review of our teams and then we'll, we'll send the people home for another great week of college basketball. My team ended up being Jonte Porter, Nasir Little, Nickel Alexander Walker, Shimori Pons, and Dedrick Lawson. You ended up with more players than I did, which is okay. You got Keldon Johnson, Bruno Fernando, Kevin Porter Jr., Trey Jones, Grant Williams, P.J. Washington, Hachimura, and Kobe White. You didn't sell many guys to me. No, but I, I got a lot of fours. A lot of fours in my lineup. Yeah, seriously. The, the power forward spot in this whole draft is absolutely stacked. I agree. I mean, obviously starting with Zion, but throughout there, it just it continues to get more and more talented. I agree. What are you working on this week, Michael? Anything fun? Uh, I'll probably be just updating my draft board probably this week. Maybe uh, maybe doing a few scouting reports for the up and under. Um, uh, maybe I'll send you my mock draft. You can look it over and we can go from there. Yes, please. And I just actually released my mock draft uh, today with Chat Sports. Go check them out on YouTube at Chat Sports. You can check it out there. And how about this, Michael? Finish your mock draft this week, and next week we will do a full mock draft review, and we'll see where we compare and where we differentiate. How's that sound? Boom. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. You guys are listening to the Believe in NBA Prospect Show. I'm your host, Harris Rubenstein. That is Michael Maxey. Thank you guys for listening. You can find us at Believe.com or at Believe Podcast. Please rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else that you guys consume your podcast. Be sure to listen to the Believe in Yoga podcast as well, the hottest yoga podcast anywhere on the internet. We're having some great times over there, and I'm actually taking a couple notes for myself. But that's going to do it for us this week. For Michael Maxey, I'm Harris Rubenstein. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.